Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, bright and early today, your weekly podcast <laughs> where we talk about the Ninja Turtle comics one issue at a time. How are you, Kevin? We, we get a new record time. It's kind of nice. We're Yeah, that's going to be funny zombified. for people who are listening to this like third shift <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean early? <laughs> um, but yeah, for us, it's early. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a while uh, since we've um, recorded early in the morning. I think we did this for our older podcast a couple of times, but I kind of I kind of prefer it. Yeah, I do too. Like uh, we're not zombified, so that's nice. Yeah. So <laughs> and before I ask how you've been, uh, can I tell you how great it was to go back to the theater? Like oh, do tell. God, that so I. Uh, even though I have HBO, I, I still went and saw Kong versus Godzilla on the big screen, and it, it was just a fun ass night. And well, that is a movie that's meant for it. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it's probably the second best of the four movies. Skull Island's a little better, but I, I enjoyed it. And the the best thing to come out of the pandemic for movie theaters for me, and I hope this stays is now you get assigned seating. I was so excited when the guy told me oh, that. Oh, see, see, that's a Rhode Island thing. I, are you still in Rhode Island? Or not specifically yeah. Rhode Island, but that's a sectional thing because when I moved here to Massachusetts, all the theaters here have assigned seating, and I was like, this is so much better, and this is pre-pandemic. So oh, I was like, this I, is so much better. I was so happy. He's like, oh, you got to pick your seats, and they had you know stuff blocked off. So I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, and there's a uh, they have a um, AMC theater here that serves like food and drinks during it too, which I love. It's it's pretty much the only thing getting me to go to the theaters now, because um, I have a great home theater, so I I need a reason other than a big screen, and 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 like that's one. Of, I mean, I'm talking about pre-pandemic and after pandemic, obviously, but. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, my whole life is just remembering arguments I got in on the internet now. And, uh, <laughs> Way back in the me, early 2000s. <laughs> it reminds me of this one time I was debating with someone in a comment section. Uh, it, someone posted something about if you go to the theater anymore. And I was like, no, because I have a really nice home theater. I have like an 80 inch TV with a great sound bar and mm. like a perfect setup where it gets dark. I, I, I have a great home theater, so I can pause it and go to the bathroom. A lot of benefits. And I remember somebody's comment was something like, uh, they don't, he doesn't understand the, the, um, I don't know, the, ex, the theater going experience. And I remember he wrote, he seems like someone who just watches movies on his phone. And I'm like, dude, I just told you I have a great home theater. What do you mean I watch movies on my phone? I'll never, like, I don't know why that always stands out to me, but it's like, I was like, I got a great home theater. Oh, you probably watch movies on your phone. N no, I got a great home theater. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. my favorite take on Kong versus Godzilla, speaking of the internet, I didn't read it because I hadn't seen the movie yet. But on IMDb, yeah. somebody's like title of their review was Kong versus Godzilla is worse than Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and I was just like, those aren't even remotely similar. <laughs> like, <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, McDonald's is way better than bowling. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> I gotta go back and read it, but I was just like, what? What? Uh, no. It's <laughs> not even the same. Uh, they're both Have sci-fi. You- That's about it. <laughs> Have you ever seen baseball? It's way cooler than drinking soda. Like, I don't <laughs> um, but, um Oh, Blurns Ball. What? Is that a remake? Like, I'm not, I don't follow so those it, types of movies too much. There was an original in the 60s, but this one plays okay. out very differently. Because that's just me trying to transition into something else I wanted to say. <laughs> Is um, I, I saw another thing a lot this week, speaking of like, internet things is i don't know why i was getting a lot of targeted like uh fake news announcements for (laughs) remakes you know what i mean like fool's day yeah i i guess that was it but um i feel like this was on different days too just all week long but yeah you're right that's probably part of it but (laughs) anyway the comment sections for these remakes, it's like um, one of them was Princess Bride. One of them was talking about why there will never be a Back to the Future remake because the the Bobs have control over it and they don't want one. But the comments always lead to like people complaining about remakes. And this is, this is a hill I've been willing to die on my whole life is I don't care. Remake everything. Because you know what? Remakes don't get rid of the original, and that seems like a, an idea mm-hmm. that these people like just refuse to think about. The original, yep. like, look at the last Ghostbusters movie. Wasn't that great? Didn't get rid of Ghostbusters. If anything, it made people like Ghostbusters more. <laughs> so It, it so might have actually helped Afterlife's box office. Exactly. So, like, d- stop, stop complaining every time there's a remake of something it doesn't get rid of the original just go back watch your original it's still going to be there for you okay well, that's a good segue into today we're talking mirage issue 38 which came out in july of 91 uh written and drawn by john arcuti i feel like that's nope. how you say it nope no no, I think you've got a, a mix up there. It's uh, from what oh, I saw. Sorry, it's, it's sorry. the Dream Team, Hedden and McWeeny. Yeah, Hedden and McWeeny, the Dream Team from from issue. What was it? Thirty four. Oh God, they let these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh. talked about these guys. Issue thirty four. I mentioned uh, it felt like they were going for a Mad Magazine vibe back then. Um. Which is funny because I looked it up and Rich Heaton actually went on to work for Cracked, which is a magazine that's like a mad magazine imitator. But anyway, these are the guys that did Toidal Anxiety, which we said is probably the worst Turtles comic ever. And so here's what we're going to do. They're doing a trilogy this time. So now we get to see, will they be able to redeem themselves from that issue? So let's let's go in and find out. And, uh, yeah, this is another one you can't find anywhere else yet unless you uh, scan it or go find the original book. Is this one that's in comic shops or no? I have a copy of it that I think I bought in a comic shop, but it's not one of the ones I see everywhere. Okay. So let's do this month in entertainment.
This Month in Entertainment. So movies released in July of 1991. We've got Terminator 2, Woo! Boys, Boys in the Hood, yeah. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Woo! Hot Shots, yeah. and Double Impact. <laughs> you know Double Impact? Is it Jean-Claude Van Damme or Seagal? It's Van Damme, which is funny because we mentioned that Jean-Claude Van Damme was in a movie like every month when we started this segment, and then he disappears for a couple of months, but then he comes back with a movie that has double the Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, not only does he play the two oh, main I characters, oh, but I he also wrote and produced was... the film. I thought that movie was later. According to this, it was July of 91. One of my... Th so... I think he does a movie called talk. Double Team with Dennis Rodman, too. Yes, yes, that is another one. I didn't expect to do so much Jean-Claude Van Damme research on a Ninja Turtle podcast. <laughs> like, I'm not a fan of his or anything. Like, I've got nothing against him either, but I don't know anything about the guy. And, and we start this segment, and all of a sudden I notice Jean-Claude Van Damme is showing up every month there's a Turtles comic. It's like it's he's like... doing it on purpose. <laughs> It's like he rented an island and filmed 20 movies in two months, and then they just slowly released all of them. <laughs> so I think it's obvious which of those made the most money, which is the Terminator. next thing we go to. Yeah, it made $520 million. Like, that's which was insane. crazy in 91. Yeah, I didn't get the budget. I think the budget was... Um, you know, higher than most movies it, at the time. But, yeah, I think it was one of the highest budgets. But I think it was only like $130 million or something like that. Like, it still made a ton of profit. 520 that's crazy. Like, and it's, it's funny because it was the number one movie of that year. Mm -hmm. And number two was the one I talked about last episode with Lenny was um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And wow. they weren't that... They, they weren't that far off in box office. Uh, like, Robin Hood had almost 4 million. This one had 520. And it's funny, Terminator goes on to have, like, a thousand sequels. And, well, it is itself a sequel, but still. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves never got any sequels for the 400 million it made. Like, I'm still kind of thinking about how crazy that is. No, but we got men in tights because of it. And isn't that better? Yeah, <laughs> it's... Yeah, that is better than a sequel. Music time. The Billboard number one songs, or should... No, there's two of them. So Rush, Rush, Rush by Paula Abdul, which was the number one song the whole month until the last week, where it was overtaken by Unbelievable by EMF. I was surprised that song was that old. I thought that was like mid-90s. Unbelievable. Yeah, I yeah. always Unbelievable. get those. Yeah, I get those always mixed up. I always feel like that, and uh, I can't think of it. Right. The guys do who do the Geico commercial now, the ice cream tag team. What? I I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know? Whoop! There it is. Whoop! Oh, there okay. It is. Yeah, yeah. I, always... I actually remember they played that a lot when we would have those roller skating nights. Oh, where yeah, like the yeah. School, it was like a school-sponsored event where all the kids would go to the roller rink. I remember those. That was good times. But yeah, all those get... 
I was begging my parents to give me money for the arcade they had there. Oh, they were yeah. like, no, you're here to skate. And I'm like, no, I'm here to hang out with my friends. Like this this isn't this isn't gym class. I don't have to do a specific activity. <laughs> I don't think they had turtles. I, they had a beat 'em up. I don't remember which one, but yeah, all those songs I get mixed up and I always feel like they all came out in ninety four. And they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you just zero it in right sort of towards the center of the 90s. And then the Nintendo Power cover was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, speaking of that, that film. Then it said Game Boy, Altered Space, and Roger Rabbit. And then Contest. I thought this was funny the way it was worded. They're still finding their legs there at Nintendo Power. First, they put Super Mario Brothers second with Act Razor above it, which I thought <laughs> <Right>. was weird. <laughs> and then... And then it says contest, win a trip to pick up your SNES, which I like that that could be interpreted as like, they just kind of give you a ride to the store where you buy the Super Nintendo. (laughs) I won. I won. I got an Uber to Best Buy. (laughs) Like, cause it says win, like, yeah, win a trip to pick up your NES, your SNES. So I'm sure they gave away a Super Nintendo, but it's just a funny way to word it. And then TV events. I didn't see a whole lot of what I normally talk about. It's kind of a dud month. So I just looked into like news stories for TV. And I got, uh, there was the 24th San Diego Comic-Con International. It opened at Pan Pacific Hotel. That was back when they could still host the whole Comic-Con in one hotel auditorium. Because wow. it wasn't giant yet. That's crazy. That's yeah, I wonder what the first, like, I guess it gradually grew over time, but I, I would I be interested in seeing if there's a place I can look at the statistics of, like, how quickly it grows and gets yeah. crazy. Because there, it says here, this is the 24th one. So, right. I mean, it, okay. So maybe in the, by like the 90s it was. Just comics. Yeah. It wasn't what it is now. Yeah. And it seems like it was still just comics here, because again, it was it was at the Pan Pacific Hotel, just just a hotel. Because so yeah, even when I went in '09, it it was big, but it wasn't like it is now. Where I've heard it's well, of course, with COVID, everything is. But pre-COVID, I heard it was starting to to shrink a little bit. I don't know because like there weren't as many. Whatever year was pre-COVID didn't have as many panels as they normally had, or something like that. Like the TV shows weren't going there anymore, or something. I think like uh, non like there was a time where just every tent pole was there. Oh yeah, and and now now it's back to being at least focused on comic books again. Like even if you're talking about movies and TV shows, they they're related to comics. It's not like I can't think of an example. But yeah. Uh, so another news story in July. On July 11th, there was a total solar eclipse visible in Hawaii. And then in on July 31st, this this is a big one. July 31st, the last day of this month, the Senate votes to allow women to fly combat aircraft. Which is kind of stupid that they weren't allowed to to begin with. <laughs> wow, that took all the way to 1991. Yeah, that's insane. We can't have women flying the planes. They'll I don't have a single good reason. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Senator, um, Senator, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, uh, yeah, that's it. That's crazy. So turtle news, the other turtle comic, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventures number 22. The story was called Rat Trap. I got to reread this. The story sounds kind of cool. The Shredder escapes with a disc. And I don't know, <laughs> by the way, this is describing it, if they mean computer disc. Because in 91, even the little floppy discs that are the save icon weren't common yet. Yeah. Right? Like, it was like the big floppy discs. So, I don't know if they mean a computer disc or just like an alien technology disc. Yeah, but yeah, it says okay. that he is... He escaped with a disc containing Vid Vicious and Donatello, leaving Master Splinter, Leonardo, Michelangelo, and April to look for clues to save them. So I'm going to reread that issue. Find out what they mean by a disc containing Donatello. (laughs) Hey, hey, Archie Comics, IDW, if you listen to us, why don't you kids get together and start making some nice hardcovers of these Turtle Adventure comics? Yeah, I haven't looked into what they have. I know they reprinted a bunch of them, and they have them on Comixology, but I haven't looked into what's available and and if it's complete yet. So yeah, that's all the entertainment news I found. It's kind of a dead month. And this is kind of a dead issue now that I know who wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that bad. It's not as bad as the last one they did. It's like... The cover. (laughs) They're like, hey... We were really offensive that one way. Let's go the other way. (laughs) (laughs) So the cover, it's a a screaming Raphael carrying a cow down a UFO corridor while two shadows of aliens close in. So I think this was a Tiny Toons Adventures episode where they abducted Plucky. Like that's that sounds right. It's very reminiscent of this issue. Like, even the alien designs kind of look the same, which we'll get to later. But I, it, this reminded me a lot of that Tiny Toons. So, th- this, I actually like this cover, but to me, it doesn't look like a Ninja Turtles cover. It looks like a Nickelodeon magazine cover. That's funny, because I wrote that the art looks like a mashup of Looney Tunes and Ren and Stimpy. So, yeah, it's... And, like, maybe Rocco's Modern Life kind of bleeds into that a little bit, too. Because Ren and Stimpy and Rocco, there's a Venn diagram with a bit of overlap there. You know what I mean? Like, it's, they both kind of go for gross-out jokes sometimes. Ren and Stimpy gets way more detailed in the gross-out jokes. But they both kind of do it. And they both just have this bizarreness to them. What do you want to drink, Kowalski? Meat. (laughs) (laughs) And, and looking at it now, because <clears throat> it's Raph, because Raph is the, the main turtle through this trilogy, but I kind of like how they stylized him. That's what I'm saying. I think they might, I don't know if they're going to fully redeem themselves from the last issue, but I'm not going to, I think that I might get to a point where I don't outright dismiss these artists, this this team. So, th- this story is spaced out. Yeah, and one thing I want to talk about with the covers in general, it sounded like that was your last note about the cover. Mm. So, I haven't brought this up on the podcast yet, but I was reorganizing my collection recently, and 
this drives me crazy about Mirage issues. They don't have until volume four, I think. They might have it in volume two. I don't know. Volume three was Image Comics, so it wasn't them. But anyway, it takes them a long time to get something this basic where they don't have a little square in the corner with the issue number. The issue number is in a different place on every single comic. Sometimes it's on the back page, which when you're bagging and boarding your comics, you can't see it because it's on the side where the board is. It's, I, I, it drives me crazy. This is my biggest criticism of the first volume. And on this issue, it's written down the side of the page, but sometimes it's at the bottom of the page, sometimes it's at the top of the page. Like I said, sometimes it's on the back cover. It's all over the place. Good God, is it frustrating to try to collect. And, and unless you know the issues like, I, like we do, you don't know. You, there are some where you would have no clue where to put it in the run at all. <laughs> I mean, I get without opening the comic at least. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I think on the inside they say it, but ugh, yeah. So if they're all bagged and boarded, you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Give me issue thirty-seven. I got nothing. <laughs> so anyway, uh, in inside the comic, we open on a UFO heading straight for Earth when Past the we good year blimp in space. Yep. <laughs> Well, yeah, I got a note about that in a sec. Uh, that, so then we enter a top secret U.S. military base where they're observing uh, space, apparently. And one of the guys thinks a meteor is going to kill us, but it's just mayonnaise on his screen. And then he sees the real UFO and the base goes into a panic. So they call the president who's asking where the aliens are hiding. And then it cuts to Northampton. And that's kind of our opening there. That's kind of the pace this this comic moves at too. It's just like last time these guys did did one where a lot happens per page. Yeah. So so yeah, let, let's go back to what you said. I like how in this comic every time we see outer space, it reminds me of like the 1940s serials where nobody understood what outer space was like yet. So you <laughs> yeah. see like earth with clouds around it. or yeah you'd see earth with clouds around it or like like airplanes flying above the planet and things like that like that's that's what it's like in this comic so we go to northampton it specifically says the o'neill farm which takes this out of canon because we know in mirage it's the the jones farm belongs to casey jones so we know this story is not canon that's basically what i've been doing (laughs) (laughs) that's basically how i've been saying like at the end of this guest era stuff is uh, i'm making a note now because we know the guest era the guest issues pretty much universally are not canon with the exception of two issues and and so at the end i'm basically saying it's not canon but there's nothing in this comic that contradicts anything so it can be if you want it to be that's not the case with this trilogy. This trilogy stuff contradicts other stuff. This can't fit with the other canon. It just can't. So uh, as we're going through and we're outside the O'Neill farm, this is something that, I don't know, it sometimes works and so- does sometimes doesn't work. And they didn't do it in 34 so much, but they do it through this trilogy. 
it's like they draw every single idea they had. <laughs> yes. Because the shot of the farm, you, you get that same, we're going to die coming, you know, out of the window. And you get a cow and a well and whatever, and then just random ducks walking around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot like the Time Traveler trilogy that way that we keep going back to. I think we've referenced that story more than any other story. But it's a lot like that where it's everything in the kitchen sink is on the page. Every idea they had, like you said, they drew it. Anyway, inside the farmhouse, Raph is up late watching TV. And I got to say, you said you liked it on the cover right here. I, I don't know if it varies, but I didn't like the way they draw the turtles. And it's funny because I feel like I like the way they draw everything else. I just don't like the turtles that way. No, I agree. It, it varies panel by panel because on the cover it works. Here with Raph watching the show, like out of the whole page. The only time I don't mind how he looks is the weight master splinter once lectured us on stomach disorders, which is one of the dumbest things in any <laughs> turtle anything. But he looks I all right it was there. <laughs> oh no, good God! I there's something were... about their art style. The way I wrote it down is is it feels like it. There's something about their art that draws you in, but then pushes you away. To me, it, it's almost like Sunday comics on acid. That's a good way to describe it as well. Because, like, <laughs> folks, the... pick, folks, go find scans of these comics, and we'll be posting them on our Twitter and Instagram, what we're talking about here. We didn't post a lot about the, the, the other trilogy because it was just kind of a lot of the same <laughs> stuff. But we're, we're back up posting again. Go check out the, the, the looks of these comics because it's, it's definitely something all Turtles fans should take a look at for contrast of the rest of the franchise. The, the thing that is impressive to me about the art style, though, is the so the panel of Splinter and them around the fire. The way Splinter is scratching himself, you, you know his <laughs> stomach is making horrible sounds. So I'm impressed <laughs> so by that. Yeah, Raph gets a stomach ache from eating too much pizza while he was watching the TV. And then he remembers a time where Splinter had them all around a fire, kind of like in the first movie, but Splinter's there in the woods. And he told them one of their greatest adversaries would be acid indigestion. And they should, if it happens, they should drink warm milk. And I, I also like how Bigfoot is standing behind him for that panel. He's like in the bush. It's. Yeah, the. the it's a weird-looking Bigfoot. I think that gag is a perfect distillation of what you're in store for with these guys doing a comic. It's, like you said, it's they throw in every idea. If they think, oh, it'd be funny if Bigfoot was there because they're in the woods, they put him in. And just the, the joke of Splinter saying that one of their greatest adversaries would be acid indigestion is kind of boiled down the sense of humor of the whole, the whole book. Yeah, and it 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 misses just more nonsense. than it hits for me, <laughs> which is funny because you know I I like absurdist stuff, and it it just we'll get into it later because you skipped over a little of what bothers me, but I think it comes back up. But like when he's getting the milk, and they're out of milk, but if you look in the sink, 
So you, <laughs> there's yeah, a you tuba. keep going one step ahead of the story summary. <laughs> so yeah, I know. so so after the flashback, Raph, he heads to the fridge only to discover that there is no milk. But, but there is a tuba did, in the sink. <laughs> there's a tuba in the sink. Yeah, again, every idea. This comic, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but it's definitely a thing. <laughs> it reminded me of the type of comic I would have drawn in like the fifth grade. <laughs> when, yeah. when I was trying to do like my Animaniacs style humor. It's, I, don't, I keep comparing it to Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. That's what it really reminds me of more than anything else. So, so there's no milk, but outside the window, Raph sees a cow because they're on a farm. And he heads outside to milk Bessie, but once he's outside, Raph and the cow are both abducted by the aliens while everyone else is sleeping inside. The turtles are all dreaming about a sexy turtle who I doubt is Venus de Milo. (laughs) So actually, yeah, this panel, the way they depict women in this three arc bothers me mm-hmm. so much and again it's yeah. funny like i it's not the only thing i can think of to compare it to is british humor like benny hill and Monty python but even in those instances i don't feel like it was insulting i mean back to the example of animaniacs it does have a hello nurse vibe to it yeah but it's almost like one step too far because right after they I- abducted you go back to the base and well, stop getting one step ahead of me <laughs> well you keep leading me that way and it's the next yeah. page See, and that's what this comic is like because it, it moves so quickly it's hard to stop it at any certain point but i, I did write a note about the misogyny that i want to get to of this oh book. yeah and and the, the note that i wrote was it comes after this next bit so uh, so put a pin in it just so I can say this sentence of the summary. Go. Um, so, so back at the U.S. base, I'm not sure why, but they're playing Twister because weren't they afraid they were all going to die the last time we left them? Like they were screaming, we're all going to die. And then yep. it cuts back to them and they're playing Twister. So what I got from this is that they're trying to enjoy their last moments of life. And then... and then this guy bursts in his name is colonel buford bull moose and he bursts in and puts a stop to the fun and that's that's that scene and what's going on like sean's saying there's like there are these women that are there for some reason and they were there at the beginning of the comic too but we didn't mention them uh, at the time they have nothing to do with the story so there's you know hashtag one for or for misogyny there is the, the fact that they're literally just there um but they're playing strip twister yeah exactly and the note i wrote for this is if misogyny was a rainbow (laughs) which is a nice quote wouldn't it just be misogyny (laughs) if misogyny was a rainbow with the worst of it is at the red end and like a, a, a healthy respect for women was at the violet end I'd say this comic is somewhere in the green. Like (laughs) it's got problems. I'm not, but I'm not, it it does have its problems, but I'm not even sure it knows what it's trying to say about it. You know what I mean? Like 
I don't even think it's trying to say like just sexualize women and and that's all they're good for. I think what it I think it's just trying to do a goofy hello nurse joke and failing. I yeah, because it like I said, it it, it steps to that I don't mean any disrespect to Benny Hill. I do think his stuff was funny, but <laughs> it steps into that territory, but doesn't do it in a way where it understands it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, the other thing that's funny to me about it is because of the art style. And I guarantee if, if this was you contact us, <laughs> you were a kid in 91. You like Ninja Turtles. <laughs> You begged your mom to buy this issue at the supermarket. Yeah, especially because it's got that Tiny Toons adventure art style on the cover. Your mom had a stroke when she saw you reading it, and your dad stole it and hid it under the bed. Like, <laughs> that's what's so bizarre to me about it. But it, even, again, back to this panel, like, it's back to everything they could. So there's a stuffed bear. There's a, a, a goldfish in the water cooler. And it's like mm -hmm. the goldfish in a water cooler gag would work if they weren't playing strip twister right in the middle of the panel. Yeah, it does feel like they couldn't decide what the audience age was going to be. It, But it also kind of has a, I always say this with them now, it's got like kind of a Mad Magazine vibe to it where it's almost like there there are no limits, but... Most of it's going to be for kids, but also there's no limits. <laughs> but 90% of it's for kids and 10% is for something that kids shouldn't see. You, you, you're briefly taking me back to last night at the theater when, you know, there's a bunch of kids and suddenly the red band trailer thing came on. And I went, oh, somebody didn't check anything before they ran this. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, inside the spaceship, we got the the fish in the the water cooler. We find Raph and Bessie clamped to a specimen table, and the the aliens are going to use their atomic uh, inter eh, sorry their atomic interrogator machine to probe their minds, but they also mention that it would render their minds into mush. Yep, and. This is our first real look at the aliens, I think. I yeah, love the is. design of the aliens in this. Yeah, I they, that's what they I They kind mean, of like, remind me of the Dome Doom bots. Like they have the same kind of cuteness to them. Yeah, to me they <laughs> I know that they predate it, but they look like somebody just for giggles did a cutesy version of Invader Zim for like a concept yep. sketch. And they went, no, we're not yeah. going to make him look like that. But no, I I, yeah. I really like the alien design. Yeah, they do have a very Zimish look to them. And I, so love, I love that they're reading books. I <laughs> love that they have all this technology and they're still looking at instruction manuals. <laughs> so fortunately, the spacemen are pretty inept and they end up freeing Raph from his restraints and the cow um, when, when they try to start the, the probe device that's going to interrogate them. And Raphael leaps into action and he, he subdues the aliens who tell him this like 
sad story about how all they wanted to do was conquer Earth, and it it, it was like a pledge for a fraternity. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. See, th- that's uh, what I mean. Like some some of the jokes are really good. That's a really great joke. But then yeah. you add all this other crap on top of it, and it's like, well, now I'm distracted by the things I don't like, and you have that one good joke there. <laughs> I think a lot of that has to do with with things aging. You know what I mean? Like, like this is the type of thing that the, the stuff that's bad in it wasn't, it didn't stand out at the time, but now as a society, we've learned that that's not how you do that joke or, or things like that. Like... Like some of the stuff, like you, it's more clear what was done incorrectly. So, but at the same time, fascinating to look back at. So, oh, yeah. Back on the O'Neill farm, we see everyone asleep again, which this, I will admit, out of all the stuff that happens, this was kind of a waste of a page, even though I like it. Nothing, we don't learn anything here, just that everyone's still asleep. But I also like the page. page. Everybody's asleep, but I, I mean, outside of the turtles, I, I hate everything with that. But Casey being asleep, <laughs> dreaming about classical music, and the fact yeah. his teddy bear has a hockey mask, I really, really like that. <laughs> and they're also, ha- he and April are also having a shared dream of them, like, like kissing, and I thought that was really well drawn. I like the design of Casey. Yeah. Like they draw Casey a lot of different ways at Mirage and this is a good looking a good look for Casey. The, and the, I also love that Splinter is dreaming about Mickey Mouse. And it's clearly Mickey Mouse and I don't know how they got away with that. It's just like the Donald Duck they did in the the bad issue from before. Like how are like it is clearly Mickey Mouse. I don't know how they got away with it. Then the the bottom is I mean, I guess that's the gag. Haha, ha. we drew a page of everyone sleeping. Turn the page to get back to the wackiness. <laughs> and then the military is playing with their toys to come <laughs> up with a plan to intercept the UFO. So Colonel Bull Moose gives a shoot first and ask questions later order. And then it goes back to the UFO. So we get a lot of back and forths here. We see Raphael chilling in a hot tub with the aliens, and he tells them he's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And this is kind of like one of those jokes in like a Mel Brooks movie where you'd see them like hanging out offset, like on the set or whatever. You'd see them like over by the cameras. He's like, oh, I'm a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Oh, that's actually pretty catchy. And then they say on their home planet of Mirage, they could market him with cartoons and toys and comic books and... And that was the way I took that scene. It was like, it was very nod and wink and nudge, nudge. Oh, our home planet is Mirage. And we could make cartoons and toys out of you. Just like. Yeah, th- this scene works have. pretty good. And it, it has some. Maybe of the that's better. how we should do these issues is on a, a page by page basis. Like, did this page work? Did this page <laughs> work? Because <laughs> well, I think more often than not, it for me, it does. It's just. The stuff that doesn't has so much weight to it of how how in the other direction it is. Well, th- this has a lot of the gags you were talking about that work, like the Mount Rushmore faces, like seeing the UFO go past. Yeah, they fly by and the faces are like looking at, they're like clocking the, the ship as it flies by, which seems then, like something that should have been done in animation, but it, it comes across on the on the page. 
you know, they're flying through space and there's, you know, some jet fighters going by and a bunch of angels on clouds doing different stuff. All that, that stuff's was where great. I had the note. Yeah, that was where I had the note about how it's like in the 1940s and and we used to think that like we didn't know what was up in space and the, they have clouds in space and the and the, the planes are in space. So yeah, after talking about their goals to take over Earth, uh, by morning, by the way, they have to do it by, they have to well, do it tonight. Well, I mean, it's a fraternity pledge, of course. <laughs> the the jets come and intercept the UFO, and they're in the clouds. I said that, blah, blah, blah. All right, so just in the nick of time, the, the spaceship, it manages to steer clear of the assault and escape but only to run out of gas and start plummeting towards the earth below. And the Energizer bunnies in the cockpit, for some reason, again, they throw in everything. <laughs> and we got to be continued. And it definitely seems like the type of Looney Tunes gag where this is going to resolve itself with the, the air brakes joke that we've seen a yeah. hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to go through the whole sequence, just so you get a, a sense... You see a close-up of one of the jet pilots on the outside of his cockpit is a chicken. Then you get the Energizer bunny in the cockpit. The next panel, you get the monster from, oh, God, the, the monkey-suited, metal-headed thing. I can't think of it. It's a Mystery Science Theater episode. Uh, in the corner, you have Eastman and Laird under glass, which I guess makes sense because... At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they never read this arc. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, towards the end here, you, you go back to the pilots in space and you have Mary Poppins, which I guess now could be Leia. You know, it, it kind of fits that, that complaint. And then uh, you get a guy who's uh, skydiving in space. You have... Superman, Super Monkey, Super Dog, and Super Goldfish floating around. And right at the end, there's a framed picture of Darth Vader inside the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's clearly Darth Vader. Again, I don't know how they're getting away with all these copyright violations. They're just, maybe they're just figure we're a small indie book. We can do whatever we want. Um, Going back to like the big, just an overall overview yeah, 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 of yeah. gag gags we didn't talk about. I I guess this fits into the rating category, but some stuff that worked for me. I like the first time we see the military base. I like the gag of um it was it was uh, it it says New Mexico top secret space observation station. Well, it was a secret till a moment ago because of the you know yeah, we're reading about yeah, it. Yeah, that's good. And, I like that the guy's in like a cactus, cactus outfit. Yeah. It there's there's a guy behind him in like a trash can, but they both have like shotguns where yep. you know, it's it's clear that they're they're not the things they're disguised as. I don't know if that's supposed to be a hole in the fence or if they just didn't feel like drawing the rest of it so we could see the, the guy. I think it's the latter. It's weird I, that they like this goes along with them throwing everything in though. There's like a lizard just randomly there staring at them. <laughs> there's that so, there's the no espionage allowed sign the buy war bond sign just throwing every gag they can in <laughs> uh scrolly scrolly 
And then, yeah, after that, you get the mayonnaise gag, and then the, probably the, the worst incident with women being just objectified with her sitting on the desk. Yeah, we skipped over that at the beginning, but yeah, that's definitely like like i said it's green it's more it's closer to red than it is to purple <laughs> on the rainbow scale of toxic masculinity <laughs> or, or the, misogyny whatever you want to call it the joke we skipped over that i actually like is president bush because it's clearly president bush in bed yep uh barbara's <laughs> dreaming about gorbachev and the secret service agents are standing next to the bed in pajamas like I, I actually yeah, that like good. that. That's and they they have an American flag blanket. I like so that Splinter I, has dentures when we see him sleeping at night. Yeah, they're like in that, a little water glass. That's actually a good gag. So, like I said, I mean, for me, every time a joke works, there's seven hundred that don't. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or some where you're just like, I don't get it. Like, like, uh, we didn't mention when they were in the hot tub, the, the cow was in a tanning bed. I don't get that. <laughs> Other than that, it's relaxing and oh, cows don't go in tanning beds. That's, they love to draw posters on the wall too. Yep. Like there's one of like a fake superhero, which may be a reference. I'm just missing. There's another of. The thing from what's that mystery science theater movie with yeah, the, the robot monster, robot monster. Yeah, it's a gorilla suit with like a space helmet. Yeah, it's, it's an old movie. If you don't, if you're not familiar with mystery science theater, robot monster was this terrible low budget sci-fi movie made in like the I want to say the 50s. Yeah, where it um. It's just a terrible 1950s mo horror movie, and it, the monster is a guy in a gorilla costume with, like, a scuba helmet, and, like, an old-school scuba helmet, like the kind where you had, like, the people working the bellows, and, yeah. And, and, yeah, it's so they got a poster of him on the wall. They just love, like, every time there's some wall space, they put a random picture there. Like you said, you got the Darth Vader in one. We had Daffy Duck in another issue. They utilize their wall space for sure. I actually, so my rating though. Okay. The, the one last gag I like is that because they're doing this as a college fraternity initiation, whenever they freak out and they're holding each other and they're crying and there's just a puddle under them. Yeah. There's a lot of puddles in this comic because when they're playing Twister, there's puddles all around them too because of like spilt beer and stuff. At least I hope it's spilt beer. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. So my rating, and this is going to sound high, but I'm going to try to start justifying these ratings a little more technically. So I gave this a 3.25 because when I did the math, that's a 65%. Like that's the great letter grade you would get is 65. And I think this is, you know, it's, it's like, that's like a D plus, right? D somewhere in the D zone. Yeah. I, I went with 2.9 because there was just too much of it that doesn't work for me. So that's a 58. <laughs> just doing See, some math. You, you spelled your name correctly, but. 
<laughs> you didn't answer any of the questions and you drew all over the test. <laughs> I disagree. I think there's value to these issues. I mean, I, I, th- no, I do agree that, the, that, that there is a problem of misogyny, but I honestly feel like we, if we held everything printed in the 90s to that standard it wouldn't that was kind of a problem in all of comic books at the time like spider-man batman they all had their problems with misogyny in the 90s too yeah superman was wearing the those like like superman was wearing his black costume with the ammo belts and like the two giant guns the bandoliers and that that two giant guns i love posting that picture of him all the time it's like like we were like, yeah, this is a man. Um. <laughs> so, for me, it, it's it's not that the misogyny jacks it up so high. It's that so many of the jokes don't work. If this had a TV rating, I know we keep harping on this one issue. <laughs> one of the letters in the bottom corner would be M because it contains misogyny. <laughs> Yeah. misogynistic depiction of women. I know that technically that's not a category. It would be S for sex or whatever, but, um, but it, yeah, it's not the misogyny bothers me, but that's not what really whacks it. It's just the fact that they threw everything in and didn't really great humor to me is a little more planned out. You you know, we we've done stand up. you know, it's a, it's a pain to, really get a joke where it works and i i was guilty of it all the time of having these really <laughs> wordy ridiculous things and it took me a long time I to just get thought... to the habit of being able to break that down and go this is the funny you don't need this you don't need this you just need this and it's like i think it's just i'm looking at it from that angle and it's like that joke's so good but it's overshadowed because you did all these other bad jokes over here I think I just came up with the perfect way to describe it. And that's why I laughed in the middle of you talking. Um, <laughs> this Better issue be. was, <laughs> this issue was written by a horny wacko Warner. <laughs> it's not, it's definitely not a Yakko or a dot. <laughs> it's the kind of insanity you get from wacko of the Animaniacs. And he's kind of horny. And that's, that's who wrote this issue. <laughs> And he finished it, and he submitted it in. He he picked it up off the newsstand and went, oh, sandwich. Because there's no sandwich in it. I can't do Wacko's voice. I I acknowledge that. It's a hard (laughs) voice. I'm not even going to attempt it. So moving on to toy figure facts. Oh, dear God. So these (laughs) – no, you know what? Before we move on to toy figure facts, just a split second – would you say this was better or worse than the last issue these guys did? It is an improvement on issue 34. Okay. B- because I agree. The writing is nowhere near as bad as that issue. Yeah. And although there's some problematic parts, it's I really like hard. They... It's really Go hard ahead. to get like as bad as so guy kills self at end. <laughs> I feel like they got a, a hold on how to do their layouts as well. Yeah. Like the layouts were a little bad and now they figured out how to how to put these panels in a, a, a way where you can follow what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. They, they There was one part where I was confused about the order to read things when they were in the hot tub. But other than that, 
they it was better than last time. It, they you definitely see some growth, and I I find it interesting that these two guys are back on the book so quick. Yeah, it was definitely just a party environment back there, and also this was all released like out of order. We we said it. I said it last week with Lenny. Is next month technically August is the conclusion to um what do you call it souls souls um the Mike Zuli book the third Mike Zuli book souls end comes out after this issue so it's just weird it seems like they just had a few creative teams that they had like doing whatever and they just kind of guessed what order it would come out in I would say overall for the Mirage run up to this point, what we've done, 34 to about 39 is like the bottom. Like we're at the bottom of the slope and then we're going to go back up. And, you know, the slope dips up and down as you go through. So 34 is the plummet, but we're starting to go back up a little. I think the guest era is kind of all over the place, but it's, you know, it's important for us to do each issue on this podcast just so we can fully get the full picture of what the Mirage run was like. Yeah. And again, like I, I think what we have is a very unique situation because even with books now that are new, they all kind of follow their format. There's no just, well, here, do something with it. So I don't know. It's, I don't think you're ever going to see this in comics again. Probably not. So toy figure facts, because this issue was very Looney Tunes esque. I went with Toon Mike, the tongue torquing turtle. Toon. God, you were obsessed with Michelangelo figures. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. This is like the I went with Don- third I picked Mike because I went. I I picked Mike because I went with Donatello last week. <laughs> You're gonna tell last me week. there was no Raph or Leo tune. Well, we'll get to that, but um, I'll try to get some more Raph and Leo. Obsessed. The critic- criticism accepted. <laughs> He's my favorite one. So, but you yeah. Know- <laughs> okay, so. My thought process was I looked at what all uh, all the Toon Turtles did and the fact that Michelangelo's eyes bulge and he sticks his tongue out felt the most like a Looney Tune to me. Donatello right. has okay. the thing where his his bandana spins like yep. a propeller and I don't remember what the others do. But um anyway, we'll get to them in a second. So Mikey, he's his accessories. He's got animated Toon Television, which I thought was cool. He comes with a little TV. Toon Nunchucks, Turtle Communicator, Toon Pizza Disc. His favorite phrase, am I dry yet? Stupid. And what? His favorite, <laughs> his, I guess because he's sticking his tongue out. Favorite hobby, uh, coloring. But... Wow. Okay. I'm telling you, this this figure fits this issue, doesn't it? It, so, it do- what the hell was the writing process for that? <laughs> What's the thing so, he likes to say? Uh, is he dry yet? What's even worse is like the categories are always different. So it didn't even need to be what does he like to say? It could have been anything <laughs> like favorite face he likes to make, you know, like whatever. So description. 
He's wacky. He's weird. He's on TV. He's Mike, the Toon Turtle. You've all known and loved. He's fresh from the sewers of television land. That's not a place. And ready to take on the real world, the real world foot fools. Mike is famous for his raspy raspberry turtle tongue. And now you can see him lick the foot anytime you want. I think they mean lick like, like defeat, like kids used to say in like the fifties, like, oh, he yeah, licked them good. Even before but, we were playing with yeah. these toys. <laughs> but that's not a good sentence. Not a good sentence. With just a spin of the backside wheel, he'll twist his tongue and lick the foot. They say it again. <laughs> this loony lad is loaded with tunes, with tons of tunes, tools. Oh God, these are so hard. This loony, <laughs> this loony lad is loaded with tons of tune tools that'll make any foot fighter faint. Mike's tune nunchucks, his cartoon weapon of choice, is always ready for action should be are always ready for action here or on the small screen this radical rendered reptile has drawn himself up to do battle with any wet brush foot brain so hold on to your hats or your head if you don't own a hat because toon mike is live and in person and raging radical color enraging radical color sorry my bad Originally part of the 1993 Toon Figures line, there was Toon Leo, Toon Mike, Toon Raph, Toon Don, and then characters from the cartoon show. So Irma, Vernon, uh, Burn, Toon Shredder, who I think is actually better than the normal Shredder figure. Uh, that original figure was... <laughs> yeah. And then you had some neutrino, neutrinos in there. You had Dask, Kala, and Zack. Yep. And that was the line. So I, yeah, I, I I could have done the others, but uh, no, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I did fine. Mikey because I felt like he was more of a more cartoon animated. Let's no, it's it's fine. I, I get I get the reasoning, and I completely forgot that Irma Vern had figures. <laughs> like Leo's eyes bulge out in this line. What does Raphael do? Does his head spin? Stabs a guy. <laughs> oh, his his head spins around. That's what Raphael does. And I already said Donatello, his bandana spins like a propeller. Do the bad, does Shredder do anything? I don't think he does anything. Fails just, at his plans. <laughs> he just creeps around. Now that I'm looking at it, it's not as good as I remembered. <laughs> Shredder never really got a decent figure. I, which is funny because he's one of the main characters. Yeah, the Super Shredder was probably the best he got. Who, I just, I know they had to make a toy for everything, but like, who was like, mom, you know what Ninja Turtle figure I need? Burn. April's boss. So I can <laughs> like, make him yell at people. Yeah. Like what scenario are you playing with your toys? And he's kind of a, a, a funny figure from an adult point of view. He's got like a yeah. sandwich with a bite taken out of it. And like his cheek is bulging where the, the food clearly is. He's got toilet paper under his shoe, so that fits the category of each foot has to be different. His shirt's not really buttoned up, and his pen is leaking in his pocket. It's kind of a funny figure, but I don't think kids wanted to play with April's I, boss. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't have wanted a Vern or an Irma. 
I could see them playing with Irma though, because Irma was always getting herself into trouble. Yeah, I guess. So. But I don't. Uh, yeah, but the others, I, I, I got no reason. So, so you want to take a stab at the irrational price? For I always Mike. forget that you look this up. Um, which this one are we doing? Tune Mike. Tune Mike. Mike. Oh, he's probably expensive. Um, I'm gonna guess two hundred dollars. Oh, closest you've been two twenty four ninety nine. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, because I I think they were uh, a a figure set that people want now as they're collecting, but didn't buy at the time. And then uh, there there is one person selling all four of them together, no uh, card back or anything, but with all their accessories for one seventy five. That's not bad. Oh, you said okay. Sorry, I've I missed that they weren't in the package. But no, they got all bad. their stuff. Nice. Must have had a nice toy bin. And I think that's uh, everything we have to say about this issue. So, yeah, we'll be back again. Thank you guys very much for listening. Did you have anything else to say? No, just <laughs> the the toy segment. I. I finally read the first Ghostbusters Turtle crossover yesterday. Yeah. And it just brought me back because that used to be what I would do with the figures is team them up. And I don't know. It, it was a fun read. No, yeah. that That's a great book. Both of them. Did they we'll do three? There, I think they just did two. But yeah, it's been a while two, since but I read yeah. in, in a decade or two, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time to continue this insane trilogy with our favorite artist, writer, team, people. Bye. (laughs) The Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tmntnerds. If you'd like to see images of the comics we discussed in this episode, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at TMNTNerds. Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at TMNTNerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.